Welcome to Talk with the Texan, Money and Life with Troy Eckert. This program is thought-provoking, informative, entertaining, and down to business. We face facts and ideas about how to make, protect, and build your net worth. You'll get over three decades of frontline experiences and real-life examples of what to do and the pitfalls to avoid. Now, here's Troy Eckert. Hey, 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 everyone. This is Troy Eckerd with Talk with the Texan. I want to have a show today that maybe takes you a second to get your head around. I want to talk to you about things that matter. You know, the whole show is always about um, life and money. And the truth of the matter is, is that all of us want to have a idea of what life should be like in our own world. And we have an idea about capitalism and money and what things of value look like. But I would say, generally speaking, absent some of the outliers, there's generally a simple path we all look to take and that we all want to participate in. And that is, we want to have a pleasant life. We would love to have an abundance of good things that happen to us. We would definitely like to be able to participate in relationships that result in affirmation and confirmation of of value and as we go through life and we begin to see our our youth turn into young adulthood that turns into middle age that turns into the golden years we have a lot of time to reflect on how that really looks in the rearview mirror so today what i want to do is i want to capsulize um, the idea of money and life and figure out from your vantage point and my vantage point what that really looks like. So for me, I'm always about you know trying to figure out where the end game is. And I don't know if that's just inherent in my genetics, the way I was raised, or just part of the way that uh, the world is. You know, we we stop and we take a look at um, all the rules and regulations and all the normal policies, procedures, and expectations that are put into our life, and it seems like we all take generally the same path. You're born, you become an infant, you go to preschool, you go to elementary, you go to middle school, you go to high school, you go to college, you may go to a, a, a postgraduate program, you get a career, you work in that career, or you change jobs and careers along the path, you get to a certain age and everybody expects you to retire because you look older, you act older, you probably, like most people in that same herd uh, of aging human beings, are moving from that vibrant young individual to more of a relaxed, slow-paced, moving, elderly, gray-haired individual. And now the expectations are you're supposed to just go off in the sunset and find yourself a nice little green pasture and fall down and take your last breath. That's all been set aside. That's all been established, at least in the United States it has been, that that's kind of the protocol of where we're at. At my age, pushing 58 years old, I find that to be completely boring, and I, and I don't believe in it. I believe that not only do I not color in the lines, I like white paper without any lines. Because I believe regardless of your economic situation today, I believe regardless of your location where you're at today, 
And I believe really regardless of your prior existing experiences in jobs, careers, money, uh, the way you live, your social setting, today can be your first day. Today is and can be the beginning of a phenomenal life. So I'm going to start with the obvious. Everybody likes to start with, let's talk to the, the poor and the homeless, and let's help those that are underprivileged, and let's help those that are beaten and trodden down. Let's help the, the middle class and those that are trying to reach up the ladder just to get themselves in an economic position of surviving. See, that's what I'm talking about. We always look down. We don't look up. Because if you look up, the ladder has less and less people on it. Very few monkeys reach the top of the pole. And the monkey at the top of the pole has his ass exposed the most. Which means what? It's hard to get to the top. And when you get to the top, everybody gets to see who you are, what you are, and they like to criticize you. Take Elon Musk. That guy cannot make a single word out of his mouth, cannot fly anywhere, cannot do anything without every single human being on the planet saying, what is the richest guy in the world? What's he doing? Why is he doing it? Where is he going? What book does he read? What toilet paper does he use? Uh, what did Elon say about this? What did Elon say about that? Now, maybe he likes that, and that's a compliment to his success. But the flip side of that is maybe he didn't really intend on being the monkey at the top of the pole. By good choices, success, luck, anything you want to compromise that with, he's become the richest man in the world today. That will probably change over time. Somebody else will become wealthier. So the question I would have, when you look at this, this chain of wealth, poverty, social positioning, we start thinking to ourselves, well, well, what is it about our life that we want to assess to see whether or not we are really having a good life? And for me, there's a lot of things. It's kind of what your personal goal is. Somebody that's just at the bottom of the food chain, just doing basic menial tasks or not even having a job, maybe that's where they want to be. Maybe they're perfectly happy in life, just getting through life, waking up, taking a breath of air, having some food and getting through another day. That, that's fine. Again, everybody seems to focus on those that are not successful. And I'm going to use business and religion as part of my example, all right? So let's start with religion. So I am a Christian. Um, I go to a non-denominational church. It's, it's Baptist-oriented, but it's non-denominational here in Texas. Um, I grew up in a church that was Episcopalian. We went to church maybe, maybe twice a year. We'd go on Easter, and then we might go around Christmas time. Not likely. Um, felt like and knew that my dad was a Christian. Felt like and knew that I was aware who God was. I became a Christian December 1st, 1979. I was able to say, uh, ask God into my heart. And so that's my, that's my walk with my faith. Maybe completely opposite of anybody else listening to this podcast. It's not about your faith and my faith. It's about the religion. And so what I've experienced as somebody who did not grow up in the church, who did not have a lot of experience, I find that when I go to church, it seems like the church itself is working very hard to remind you from the minute you walk in the door until the minute you leave, have you sinned? Have you committed adultery? Have you robbed, murdered, stolen? Have you committed any of the Ten Commandments? Is your life pitiful? Are you lost? Are you having trouble? Are you going through a divorce? And I spend the majority of my time listening to those that are speaking talk about how 
God is going to help you and your miserable life make it better by you know, tithing, by uh, asking for forgiveness, by recognizing that you need to be forgiven. And, and it's just this, this heavy, heavy weight of what I would consider to be uh, negativity. Maybe I walked in on a Sunday morning to church and, and life is fantastic and I don't want to hear about all the negativity. What I want to do is say, hey man, glory be to God. It's, it's fantastic. Remember, this is not a religious show, by the way. I'm using the religion as an example of why we always work on those that are less fortunate. Because why? The assumption is those that are wealthy, those that have successful businesses and lives, they don't need God. They don't need religion. They don't need counseling. They don't need friends. They don't need propping up. What they really need is they can go buy it. They can rent it. They can get counselors and medicine, etc. But that's not true. So in religion, like in business, we always look and focus on those that seem to be in what I call the masses. So remember my, my comment about the monkey at the top of the pole. The guy at the top, he's at the top. Either he's stronger, smarter, more diligent, lucky, but he got to the top of that business ladder, a, a religious ladder, because he's a preacher, a pastor, a deacon, been going to church forever, etc. In business, it's the same way. We take a look at those that have successful businesses and successful lives, and we think, man, they're lucky. They, they hit it right. You know, gosh, I wish I were them. And, and all the different accolades and criticisms and comments. And why don't they, why doesn't Elon give away $100 billion? He's got tons of it. He can give it and help all the poor people out there. Why do I want to help the poor people? I want the poor people to want to get busy trying to figure out how to make their lives better. And one step, one day at a time, absent just, you know, imprisonment or just literally demographic restrictions, you know, everybody has a chance to improve their life. So let me stay on point. So when we look at this, this approach to life, we have to decide for ourselves where we want to be. And today, as I mentioned, just pretend today is a brand new day. So I'm going to speak specifically to millionaires. So I have been working with millionaires now for 37 years. Okay. And I can tell you that in my communication, my very close working with millionaires all over the board. I mean, individuals who are barely worth a million dollars and millionaires who are worth a couple of billion dollars. And if I were to put them all in the room in the exact same clothes without any identifier other than their natural human characteristic, you can quickly look that there's a commonality Amongst all of them. Now, they're all going to be eccentric. They're all going to have their different quirks. They're all going to be human beings with different characteristics. But if you put them all in the same clothes, put them in the same room, you said, now go find out who's the richest guy in the room. Most likely, you're not going to be able to identify that. Most likely, you're not going to know who has more money than the next. You might recognize some that are um, obviously trying to pretend they're wealthier than they are. You may recognize those that are probably more seasoned, meaning that they invested longer, they built their wealth longer, they're older by the natural attributes of their gray hair, their face, etc. But you would have a very tough time in a room of 100 millionaires in the same clothing with nothing discerning the difference between any of them other than the fact of their human characteristic. You would know. Now, I would say that if you did an analysis or you did a personality profile on these hundred millionaires in my example, you're going to find some differences that are quite substantial. The differences are religion, um, work ethic, 
direction, what direction they took in life, um, their generosity, philanthropic attitude. You're going to discern the difference in their patience, their type A, their assertiveness. There's a whole abundance of characteristics in there. But one thing I can tell you from dealing with most of these uh, successful individuals is a couple of things that may surprise you. First and foremost, many of these individuals, many of these individuals are um, lonely. They, in fact, um, find themselves alone quite a bit. Uh, why are they alone? Well, they're alone because when you are the boss or the money man or the person that has created the empire of the success, again, like the monkey at the top of the pole, everybody assumes that you're thousands of friends, lots of family. And, and the reality is each, everybody thinks you're successful and busy and you own houses and boats and cars and businesses and you go to work, you show up, you work all day and you're, you're really just floating around having very superficial relationships with employees and staff and managers, but do you really end up having substance as far as a communication with someone or other people of substance? And what I have found with most of the, what I would call the more um, wealthier individual investors that I deal with, a lot of them stay very, very busy, but they don't have a lot of truly deep, meaningful relationships. So I think whether you're talking about millionaires or you're talking about um, individuals that are highly successful that appear to the outside world to be very successful, one key characteristic that they all have is they're lonely. They're alone quite a bit of the time. Now let's flip it around. So let's say we're now looking at the bottom, the bottom part of this chain, whether it be social or economic. Well, somebody who doesn't have a job has what? They got a lot of time. Some people who don't have a lot of possessions have what? They don't have a lot of pride in that there's, they're not worried about somebody stealing from them or borrowing from them or, or taking their possessions because they're like, yeah, my stuff anybody can have. And this is not a, a, a negative comment. It's, it's, it's more of a reality. If I go to a neighborhood where everybody in the neighborhood is living in a, a small little home and it's a, it's a decent neighborhood, but you know, everybody's cars are the same, houses are the same, mailboxes are the same, uh, socioeconomic conditions are relatively the same. You're not going to find that outlier where you have one guy in the middle that owns two Mercedes and he's bricked his house and he's got, you know, all this extra stuff because he would stick out and they would stick out like a sore thumb. So when you think about relationships and you think about uh, depth to your life, you're probably going to experience a lot more as it relates to um, that type of, of individual having more time, therefore having more friends, therefore having more relationships, therefore maybe having more extension to their life other than jobs and things and possessions and employees, etc. So there's a huge spread. Think about the ladder. There's, there's a fire. There's one ladder, one ladder leading out. Everybody looks up and says the strongest, toughest individuals at the top of the ladder, they got there because they're tougher, smarter, got there first, they're luckier, they're getting out of the fire. The bottom of the fire is packed. There's, there's 100 people sitting on the bottom rung of the ladder. And that's the way it looks in my view from what takes place in the, in the economic world that we live in. Remember, this is money and life. And so when I think about money, the more money you have, the more experiences you have. I can travel more. I can be in more meetings. I can buy more businesses. I can do more transactions. I have more people catering to my needs because they want to take me to a nicer restaurant or they want to, they want to be involved. So I get invited to more conferences and more training. And so money begets experiences and experiences beget 
expertise, and expertise generally relates to more success. Less economic success relates to limitation, lack of exposure, isolation, uh, what I call commonality. Commonality is what? I, everybody on that neighborhood I just described a while ago, they're probably in the same boat with regard to exposure to news and media and grocery stores and, and retail stores and neighborhoods. They're, they're kind of isolated at the bottom of the ladder sitting in that same area. One of the things about um, talking with the text of Money and Life is that when you listen to this podcast, it, it sounds like sometimes I'm bouncing off the wall or going in circles, but I want you to hear kind of the message for today specifically. We can't look at our life, whether you're the lowest person on the rung of that ladder or you're the person on the top rung, whether you're Elon Musk or you're the guy who just barely survived We all have very similar qualities or similar um, attributes that we want in our life. Let's just talk about that. We want to know what's our purpose in life. You know, why are we here? What are we doing? I mean, that, that, that's really, sometimes you just, you're 18 years old, but where the hell am I going? What am I doing? Well, probably 18 years old, you don't have a lot of experience or expertise. You don't really know where you're going, why you're going, which way you should go, because you've never been there, done that, and you haven't had the good experiences or the bad experiences. Somebody who's in the middle of their life in the 35 to 40-year-old range is saying, you know, I've tried a few things. Some have worked, some have not. Maybe I got lucky and it worked right off the bat. But the problem is, is that we, we define this purpose based on what we've been told. Get a job, have a career, build a business, sell the business, take the money, buy toys and planes and cars, give a little money away, maybe if you feel like it, because it'll make you feel less guilty about being rich. But at the end of the day, you need to go, you need to go climb one more mountain just a little bit higher than the last one. I mean, I'm glad you were successful at 30, but what are you doing these days? What are you doing at 35? What are you doing at 45? How about 50? Are you retiring at 55? Are you really wealthy enough? How wealthy are you when you retire at 55? The flip side is you have a job, you work as a mechanic, you work in the bottom line, you're doing your best, and maybe you have a great family and a great life, and you're not the richest person, you're not the poorest person, but you're just, you're just an average Joe or Jill, and you're making your way through life. And so you have to ask yourself, was that your purpose? In my view, my purpose is to take a look at each new day and evaluate where I'm at in life. Have I achieved what I wanted to achieve? Have I, I'm talking personally as well as business. Am I still stuck in that bottom rung? You can be a millionaire and stuck in the bottom rung. I have some clients and I've had clients in the past that are worth a million dollar network and they're the most miserable SOBs you've ever met in your life. They're rude, they're arrogant, they're thoughtless, um, they wear the same clothes four days in a row, they don't really spend the time to take care of their health. And I don't mean this is critical, I mean, you created this wealth not because you're trying to, to put your name in the, in the Time magazine as man of the year or wealthiest person on the planet. You created this wealth because that's what we've been told to do. Improve your life, take success, make more success, build your net worth. But somewhere along the way, you've got to ask yourself what your purpose is. And I'm challenging everyone listening to this podcast. I'm challenging you to ask yourself, what is your purpose? I mean, in the end, when you take your last breath, hopefully you're thinking about a higher being. Hopefully you're reflecting on your family and friends that you're leaving behind with, with a sense of, God, just one more laugh, one more joke, one more friendship, one more night out with my buddy or my wife and my kids, one more, one more chance 
to see a sunset. Hopefully that's what you're thinking when you take your last breath. Hopefully it's not like, God, man, I missed everything. I didn't do anything with my life. I didn't build friendships. I didn't give money away. I didn't help other people. I didn't, I didn't try to better the world. I didn't try to improve my relationship with my family, my kids, my, my wife, uh, my husband. I didn't do that. Hopefully that's not your last thought. If it is, then you're missing the boat because, quite frankly, life is a lot more than that. So the purpose, in my view, is what's in it for you. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to, again to the millionaires because that's generally who listens to my show. And I'm going to say this to you. I gave a, a presentation at a conference about five or six years ago. And I was just kind of in a good mood. Didn't really have anything that I was trying to really market that day. Um, I had things that I normally offer as far as investments. But that particular day, I don't know what, what got on my backside. I think it was probably my own personal life. And I, I had just bought myself about six months earlier, a brand new uh, two-door uh, Jag. It was, I don't know, 450 horsepower. It was a fun car. It was a great car. I bought it. I have no reason, no idea why I did it. I was probably 51, 52. And I bought it and I found myself just having a blast. And I never thought I would be a guy that would go buy a souped up red car because I thought people who had those kind of cars just wanted to be flashy and get everybody's attention. And maybe I wanted attention. I don't know. But I bought the car and loved the car. The only problem I had with the car is I didn't know it couldn't do any less than 140 miles an hour everywhere I went. So I knew I was going to get a ticket and go to jail because I literally could not wait to hit the highway and pump that sucker up to 140 miles an hour with the top down and just rock and roll. It was fun, fun, fun like I haven't had in years. But here's the point. I went to that conference and in the room, generally speaking, are, are people that are listening that are accredited. They're worth a million dollars or more in assets or investable capital. You don't know that part of the room might be just 25% wanting to listen in to see what wealthy people talk about. But this room, for one reason, for one reason, that particular day, the room was packed. In that packed room, I looked around the room and you kind of make eye contact when you're doing presentation. You figure out, you know, I've got somebody give me a, a, a not a good look. I've got three people smiling. I've got a nice person up front. Some people are dozing off. Maybe it's just a place they wanted to sit down to waste an hour to the next presentation they really wanted to hear. But at the end of the day, I did an assessment of the room and I just went off the cuff and I said, I'm going to digress from what I normally talk about and I'm going to talk about at least part of this presentation about your purpose and what it means for you to be an accredited million dollar plus net worth investor. And so I started asking, I started asking questions at the beginning. I said, can I ask everybody to give me a show of hands? How many of you consider yourself to be a wealthy investor? 80% of the room raised their hand, meaning I said, you know, million dollar net worth hundred, great. How many of you grew up rich and it's just a continuation of your family's success? Very few hands went up. How many of you would classify yourself as a self-made millionaire who's done all of your success and all of your wealth, whether it be college or your own business, advice from your parents, but you created it yourself. You weren't given any money. This is all your own true success to give you the current economic profile of where you're at in life. Probably all the 80% that raise their hand their credit, probably the majority of them raise their hand to that effect. So great. I said, now, let me ask a question, and I'll see if anybody wants to answer. Why are you creating your wealth? Why are you focused on building a successful business? Why are you at the point that you are um, continue to work at 60 years old, and you're trying to buy another business, and you're investing money, and you're worried about where to go in the stock market? And you're, do you're doing all these things, 
but you have a million dollars plus net worth in the bank in, in the bank and you might be five, 10, 20, 50 million dollar net worth in the crowd. Why are you doing it? So I had a hand go up, another hand go up and I asked questions. It was, oh, I want to leave my money to my kids and my grandkids. I want them to have a better life than I have. Oh, I I'm a competitive person. I want to do better next year than I did this year. That's what my upbringing said. You always want to be taking a step forward. I want to have financial security so I can take care of myself and my wife because of my poor health. You know, the common, simple answers. And I said, that's all good. Let me ask you a question. If they gave you a, a diagnosis today and you had five days left to live, what would you do differently today than not having that information? In other words, you, you, today somebody said, I hate to tell you, you got a brain tumor, you got five days to live. What would you do differently? Most say, well, I'd stop doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be at this conference. I'd probably be home with my wife and my kids and spending time with them. Or some people said, hey, you know, I'd go find a beach. I'd park my butt on the beach and I'd watch that sun go down. And that'd be my last view is, is the sun going down as I, as I pass on to the next afterlife. We had some variable answers in the crowd, but most of them were like, you know, I do this, I do that. Okay. None of you, none of you said you'd go make more money. None of you said you would sell some stock and buy oil and gas or sell oil and gas and buy uh, cryptocurrency. N none of you said you would do anything else to further enhance your wealth. You talked about things you would do, physical things, relationships that you would do knowing you had limited time. So then I asked the question, I said, how many of you have bought yourself a brand new sports car in the last five years? No hands went up. How many of you have always wanted a red sports car, but just never pulled the trigger, never took the time to go do it? About five hands went up. I said, well, let me tell you what I did. I went out and I bought myself a new FJ Jag, red car, paid money for it, drove that sucker. I've been driving it for four or five months. Best thing I've ever done. I have, in my mind, taken the moment in life to look at my success, look at the work that I've done, and I rewarded myself by saying, let's go buy something for me. Let's not buy a mutual fund or stock or another oil well or, or whatever you're investing in. Let's go take the time to give ourselves the ability to um, find out exactly what we want in life if we had only so much money and so much time left to do it. And so the key is, is that you've got to ask yourself, what in the world is in your life that you're not doing as a successful individual with money to spend? What are you doing today to fulfill your desired bucket list? And are you doing it? Are you simply just prolonging it or delaying it because you don't have any other um, mechanisms to make you or force you to do what you want to do because you think you have unlimited time? So let's, let's recapsulize that. I asked another question. I said, so how many of you are leaving your money to your kids or your heirs? Everybody's hand goes up pretty much, right? Have you ever sat down and asked them, hey, you know what I decided? I decided I'm going to keep a couple hundred thousand dollars and I'm going to give you all the money today. I'm going to give you all my net worth today. You're going to get it anyway. I'm living a pretty simple life. I don't need anything. I've got $10 million. I'm going to keep 300000 for myself, live on my Social Security. I'm done. I'm enjoying life. I have no more concerns. I'm not dying. I just, I don't want to mess with you. I'm going to give you $9.7 million of the $10 million. I'm going to keep $300,000. How many of you have asked those who will inherit your money that you're working so hard to leave this legacy of capital? How many of you asked those you're going to give the money to? Okay, great. 
in my example, I just gave you $9.7 million. Tell me what your life looks like going forward. Tell me what you're going to do with the money that I earn. Tell me what you're going to do in changing your life. Are you going to buy a new house? I mean, I there's no criticism. I mean, I'll be dead when you get it, so it doesn't matter. So I'm just more curious, you know, what you would do if you had nobody judging you and had nobody criticizing anything that you did with the money. What would you do? Would you go to Vegas and just put a million bucks on red or black and just see how the wind, the, 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 the wheel spins? Or would you go to, uh, you know, some crazy island and spend two years living on the beach and having Mai Tais brought out every day by a girl in a bikini outfit? I don't know. Or would you go out and take the $9.7 million and you go out and play the lottery or buy cryptocurrency or take really big risks trying to turn the $9.7 million into $97 million because, hey, it's free money anyway. I didn't earn it, so what the hell? Let's go, let's go throw it to the wind and see what we come up with. The key is, why don't you ask that question? Why don't you ask the question of what somebody you're going to give your life's work to would do with the money? And I'll tell you why you don't. One, you probably don't want to hear it. Two, you probably won't get the truth out of them. They'll probably tell you what you want to hear so that way you don't change your will or change your direction. But at the end of the day, you've got to start asking yourself, if I'm going to create this wealth and I'm going to create this life that I have, I have these goals, I have this purpose in life, what have I done to fulfill my purpose? What have I done to fulfill my goals? Have I taken the time to call old friends? Have I taken the time to build new friendships? Do I even want to build friendships? I can tell you personally right now, as talk with the Texan, is that I have hundreds and hundreds of acquaintances. I have hundreds and hundreds of people that I know and do business with. Probably thousands. I, I have had probably four or five good friends in my lifetime. I probably have two right now that on a moment's call, I'd be at their side. But I'm very, very reclusive, and I'm very much an introvert when I'm not doing my business. Therefore, I have very few friends. And I mean, I'm talking like friends. I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm not talking about when you throw a party, 50 people show up. I'm talking about you can go sit down in a pair of ratty old jeans and a sweaty t-shirt, sit out next to a pond, put a fishing pole in it, and you can talk for hours or say nothing. And there's no expectation. There's no judgment. It's somebody you enjoy their company. And you could sit around and BS with them for hours and hours and do it. Or you don't see them for 10 years. You see them the 10th year and one day after, and you see them as like you just saw each other yesterday. That's what I mean by friendship. So when you think about that, if you're part of that, that crowd at the bottom rung of that ladder and you have nothing but time, then the question you have to ask yourself is, well, what are you going to do with that time? If you're ever going to get off that bottom rung to the next rung, what do you do with your time? Well, maybe with your time, you start changing who you relate to. You start changing who you talk to. You start changing slightly in, in, in minor elevations. You start saying, hey, maybe I ought to walk a block over. Maybe I ought to go to a store two blocks over. Maybe I ought to go to a different church. Maybe I ought to go to a different uh, area of town for grocery shopping just to see if I can find myself a better way that I might be able to lift myself one rung higher. For those of you that are already at the top of the rung, you're saying, well, there's no more rungs for me to step on. Maybe you should take a step down the rung. Maybe you should become more humble. Maybe you should go to church and really think about how you're committing to the church, whether it be through truly tithing or whether maybe it should be through your time. 
You know that wealthy people hate giving up time more than money. They'd rather write you a check than give time because time is the one thing they, they recognize. Time for wealthy people is the most valuable asset they have. Money? Eh, I'll donate money all day long. But you want me to go donate and help build a house for an 80-year-old lady in the South Dallas area? Mm, I don't have time for that. You want me to go teach a Sunday school class? You want me to go to a children's camp in Costa Rica because it's summertime and the kids are going down there? Yeah, I don't have time for four days in Costa Rica with a bunch of screaming kids that their parents dumped off the church. I'm not being religious, by the way. I'm saying this even applies to food banks. It applies to local organizations that are trying to help the community. It, uh, Habitat for Humanity. It's There's thousands of organizations that are not religious oriented but they're just simply trying to help the world be a better place rich people would rather give a check now there's nothing wrong with that we need the money i need to give money everybody needs to donate but at the end of the day it also has to do with the lessons you can teach the life you can give an example of the path that you took the trials and tribulations that you went through and the successes of being able to come back from that it's the experiences that you have that you can relay to others that will give them hope and expectations and uh, the idea of making a better life for themselves. And for those of you that are, that are sitting there saying, well, I'm only a, an average income individual. I'm married. I got three kids. Great podcast. Troy. What the hell am I supposed to do with that? I mean, I'm just trying to pay the bills. Well, nothing changes. Nothing changes until a force equal to or greater than causes a change. Two trains down a track, both doing the same speed, coming the same direction. They're going to slam head on. The result is each train is going to go in a different direction because some part of that train is weaker than the other. And even if they're of equal power, they will stop the other train because they've come to an equilibrium. And that's exactly what most people find in life. They have created a path. They're on a path. Nothing's going to change that path until something good or bad, catastrophic or fantastic happens that causes them to change their path. There are more rich people that are depressed and suicidal than there are poor people that are depressed and suicidal. You may not believe that. You don't hang around rich people. I do. Rich people are always thinking, I've done my best. I've reached my goal. I've got the money. I've set my family up. Now nobody has any use for me. There's no value left for me. Why the hell am I doing this? What am I here for? And they, it's, it, maybe it's not even suicidal as much as they become kind of bitter or they become very recluse or they become very... Uh, agitated, and they just become these cranky old people. And you're thinking, well, God, why are, they, why are they rich and so mean? You know what my experience is? They're rich and mean because they're lonely. And nobody has any use for them anymore. Thank you for creating my Thanks for giving me that $9.7 million. Now I really don't have to come visit you or kiss your ass because you've already given me the money. And that's my point about asking them what they're going to do with the money. Because if they're not going to use the money and do something that's going to prosper, that's going to be beneficial to the world and to life, Give them the $300,000. You take the $9.7 million. Go buy your red sports car today. Go get you a world cruise for two months. Go take your trip to see the Swiss Alps and go to Peru and go to Argentina and go to Hawaii and, and go downtown and say, you know what? I'm going to take $10,000 and $50 bills. I'm going to pass every one of them out. I'm going to pass out $50 bills to every person that I think needs a lift that day because I'm just going to give money where I think the money and the assets I've created will give me the greatest satisfaction. And I love to help other people. That's how Troy Eckert thinks, right? You have to find out for yourself what really life is all about and what your goals are, your purposes, your friends, your families. I'll be honest with you. I'm not hunting for new friends. I'm making new friends. I'm making friends that are either becoming deeper in relationship or they're very shallow. I'm not progressively trying to find friends. If it happens and I get along with that person, then I'll let it happen. But 
I've been burned by a lot of friends. And as the talk with the text and money life will tell you, everything in, in life has to do with money. Everything with money has to do with life. And you'll find that many people only really want you for what you have to offer them. And when you stop offering them free dinners and food and jobs and this and that and inheritance, you find that they all kind of go away. It's kind of like taking all the food off a picnic table and putting it in a plastic tub. All the flies go away. It's the, it's the butterfly that sticks around regardless of whether you have food or not. That's, that's the friend. The friend who says, I really don't want anything. I'm just here to make you know somebody wants to be around you when you have nothing else to offer. I'm going to wrap up by saying the following. I love doing my podcast because I want to invoke some thought in you. I want to invoke something that makes you think as you sit in your car driving, as you're sitting at home, as you're listening to this, I want you to end this podcast with the following. What are you doing for yourself today? Have you gone out and bought a new car? Have you gone out and paid for a vacation just for yourself? And I'm not talking taking the back of the bus in Southwest Airlines or Spirit Airline where they charge you to breathe air in the plane. I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to this location. I'm going to rent a nice place. I'm going to pay first class. I'm going to get myself a nice car, rent car when I get there. And I'm going to drive the countryside and I'm going to see the flowers and I'm going to enjoy myself. And I'm going to have a nice dinner. Now, I'd like to take my spouse or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my son or my daughter or my best friend. I'm going to take somebody with me if I want. And I don't even mind if I pay for it. And I don't care if they seem like they're unappreciative. I'm doing it because it makes me happy. I don't care if they're happy or not. It makes me happy. And the key to this is, it's not that you're being wasteful. It's not that you're not being respectful of your money. It's not that you're not looking at your money as something that you've earned hard. It's saying you keep covering up your network like a cat covering up crap in a litter box. You keep shoveling it, hoping that you can hide it and nobody can see it. And one day you're going to be in that position where somebody's going to want to take over custody of your, of your funds. You're incompetent. They want to be guardian. They're going to get their hands on your money, and they're going to go do everything with your money that you didn't do. They're going to buy that upgraded house and that swimming pool and that trip and that world cruise. And you know why I know this, folks? I've been watching it for 37 years. I've seen the kids come in when their parents pass away, and all they want to know is, for the most part, I'm talking 95%, what they have, where's the money, how do I sell it, when can I cash it out, where's my check? They don't invest anymore. They never showed up to learn what their parents were investing. They asked no questions at all. And it's a reflection of the disparity between those who have created wealth and those who have not quite reached that level of wealth, or they're never going to reach that level of wealth, or they expect to only get wealth by the inheritance that they get. And all they want to know is, how much is there? Where is it at? And how do I get my hands on it? So to me, I'm saying, if you're going to be in the position of being that that successful person, if you're going to reach up for that ladder and go to that next rung, whether it's the second rung, the fifth rung, or the top rung, the key you have to ask yourself is, once you start that process, do you take the time to take care of yourself? Go get a physical. Go find out how your blood works. I'm talking 15 vials of blood. They'll run 50 tests on you. You're going to find out all kinds of crazy things about your health that you can do right now to protect yourself and make yourself better. Go sit down and take a day, a full day, not a half day, not an hour, a full day, and look at your life from the standpoint of if you died today, what does your assets look like and who are you leaving it to? I mean, write down your own assessment. What do you think Johnny's going to do with the money? What about Susie? If I give them money, if I give the money to this charity, what are they going to do with the money? 
Are they going to do with it what I would hope they would do with it? Are they going to just piss it off? Are they do things with it that are self-gratifying for their own individual purpose? And is that really, do you really want to give $9.7 million so they can buy a million dollar house and take cruises every week and never have a job again, never give money away, never go to church? Is that where you want your $9.7 million in my example to go? I don't. I just soon go give it $9.7 million. I'll take $1,000 a day and give it away to people and just have the time of my life giving people $100 bills. That would be more fun than giving $9.7 million away and watching somebody else piss it off or do things with my money that I would have, should have, would have, should have put it done for myself. I'm going to challenge each one of you. Think about the one thing you've not done for yourself in your life. That new red car, that world cruise, that week on an island, that, that Caribbean cruise ship. Uh, that, that gun you've always wanted to buy, that guitar and the guitar lessons you wanted to play, those dance lessons you dreamed about taking because you like to dance, you never slow down, and you grab that wife or that girlfriend or that husband or that boyfriend, and you say, I'm going to go take dance lessons. I'm going to really enjoy the hell out of my dance because what at the end of the day is going to happen is you're going to find that you've created opportunities because of your wealth to give you more time and better use of your time than had you not been successful in the first place. And for those of you that are listening that are not wealthy, that you're not a millionaire yet, let me tell you something. It's not as hard as you think it is. What keeps you from being a millionaire, as I wrap up, is simply this. It's not luck. It's not being in the right place at the right time. That's all hogwash. What it is, it's, it's taking a look how you take one effort, one step, one mental decision to move yourself in a position different than you're at today. It is about having a force equal to or greater than it changes the destiny of your life. If you're working a job Monday through Friday, you go, man, all I'm doing is making 40,000 bucks a year. I'm surviving with kids. You know what? Have, what have you done at nighttime? Have you thought about an online service? Have you thought about starting a landscape service? Have you thought about a consulting service? Have you thought about a second job? And every dollar from the second job you invested, and you find out in five years, now you got $250,000 in the bank, and you still have your job, but now you decide to start your own business. And 10 years down the road, you're now making $200,000 a year at your own business. And all of a sudden, you find out you're 45 years old, and you're worth $1 or $2 million, thinking, I didn't really do that much. I just changed my life by applying a power equal to or greater than to change the direction of my life. Hey, listen, I'm talking with the Texan Troy Eckert. Thanks for listening, folks. If you ever need to get hold of me, you can email me at my company address, TFWDeckard Enterprises, LLC, or you can get me at Troy at TalkWithTheTexan.com. Thanks again. I appreciate it, folks. Thanks to all our incredible friends for joining Troy for today's show, Talk With The Texan, Money and Life. Please join your host, Troy Eckert, for another edition of the program every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Troy, engage him, challenge him, but most importantly, listen to him. Three decades of expertise at your disposal. We'll see you here next week.